Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 88. And I also believe this is my two-year anniversary of starting this podcast, which I was originally calling Travels with Squeaky, and now it is called the Solo Women RV Podcast. There's a lot of episodes back in the archives if you want to go back and check those out. And actually, this week, I'm going to be pulling one of those episodes out of the archives. So, um I'm back up here at Mount Hood. I did have a couple of weeks off. I went and visited family back east, and that was really special and nice to do that. There was a big family celebration that I took part in, and it was just really nice to get away for a bit. But now I am super glad to be back up here. So I'm back up here at my campground where I'm working in Mount Hood, Oregon. And a few days after I returned, a fire broke out on Mount Hood. A pretty significant fire. It was over 500 acres and they actually evacuated two campgrounds and one of the things that they were doing the firefighters were dipping the lake that I work at to collect water to put that fire out. So as far as I know they are getting a handle on that fire but it is still burning. It's a pretty significant fire and there's pretty significant fire danger all around us right now. Just as that fire was starting, we at our campground, based on direction from the Mount Hood area National Forest, put our fire ban in effect, which means that no campfires are allowed up here and basically no open flames unless it has like an on off switch. So things like propane stoves are allowed, but not campfires or candles or anything like that. So given that it's fire season and everything that's going on, and I actually want to say when that fire started, we could see it from our campground. Uh, it was reported to us by a camper, walked down to the lake and could see the smoke just rising and it looked it looked pretty severe and it was a little bit scary. The fire did turn out to be about 40 miles from here in an area known as the Boulder Lakes area in Mount Hood, which is also up by the Bonnie Meadow. Bonnie Meadow is an area that I have personally camped in. And when I decided that I wanted to repull this episode, with Lisa Knight, who is a firefighter who came on to talk not only about wildfire safety, but things that you can do for yourself if you find yourself in a wildfire. And I thought it was kind of ironic that the area that she was kind of talking about in one part of the interview was actually this Bonnie Meadow area of Mount Hood which is a beautiful, beautiful area to camp, but also an area that has really, really rough roads getting in. And so if you wanted to get out of there quickly, it would be an issue. So I think about those people who were up there camping at the time that this fire broke out. 
I know that everyone made it out safely, but it sure must have been a very scary experience for everyone involved. So like I said, I'm pulling an episode from the archives. I conducted this interview back in August of 2021, which was a year after a big uh, fire that came through this area, the Clackamas River area in um, September of 2020. And so she, she does reference that, and that is the fire that she was actually on duty and fighting. So in this episode and in this interview with Lisa, you'll learn a few things, including how she helped save a small town from a wildfire back in 2020, how to prevent forest fires when you are camping, and what to do if something unexpected comes up and there is a fire where you're camping. She talks about if propane is actually safer than wood. And then finally, how to enjoy a campfire and be safe at the same time. It's a really good interview with Lisa and I'm glad to represent it here. So let's listen in. Our guest this week is Lisa Knight. Lisa is a firefighter and EMT and she came on to talk to us a bit about fire safety and what to do if you happen to find yourself caught in a wildfire when you're out camping. So Lisa has some really great tips and information to share. And I want to thank her for coming on and thank you for listening. Here we go. So Lisa Knight is a firefighter, an EMT. She's also an avid camper and she's agreed to come on to share with us her knowledge about fire prevention when you're camping as well as what to do if you find yourself in the unlikely situation where you are camping and there is a wildfire nearby and what you should do to stay safe. So Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I don't know if you want to introduce anything about yourself that I didn't get to that you want to say. Nope. I'm just a regular old person. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Just having a really cool job that I really love and get to travel a lot. And that includes camping. So, yeah. So I know you're a firefighter with uh, Portland, the city of Portland yep. Fire Department, um, but you also have experience fighting um, wildfires. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience last summer with some of the horrific fires that we had in the state of Oregon? Yeah. So, um, so just real quick. The, so the city of Portland is pretty much structural firefighting, right? We go interior to homes and businesses and stuff but we still get sent out for wildland fires uh because we're all certified all of us are certified at the lowest level (laughs) and then some are certified at a higher level uh so last year i think it was end of august beginning of september i believe right was Mm -hmm. uh the riverside fire out of estacada i was working um on my regular shift and we got sent for mutual aid which is basically where uh, Clackamas and Estacada Fire and everybody out that direction really needed more help. So then they call us up and ask us if we would come and help save the town of Estacada. Mm-hmm. And so we, we went out there and um, there was a few things that I learned because I don't normally do wildland fires. Uh, I wasn't, that, that wasn't where I came from before I did structural. So they were talking about the plume, basically, that the Riverside and the Beachy Fire were going to merge that day mm. that they sent us out. Oh, God. 
all of us were kind of like, well, what are you, okay, we didn't really know that this was a thing and it creates its own weather system. And they had all this different terminology. And so there were some, some things that we learned there that when they do combine, when two massive fires combine, they do create their own basic weather system. And it, according to everybody that is a lot smarter than me, it would have been apocalyptic, (laughs) which sounded pretty terrifying at the time. So we had to hold back for quite a few hours until the system did what it was going to do. And then they let us go out. And um, so I was in a four engine, uh, four person engine. So our basic engines that we have in the city, we took that with us and we just went down a couple of the main roads that were still on fire in Estacada, just outside of the city limits. And we just put out as much fire as we could, just spot fires here and there. Uh, Just a lot of brush and trees, uh, shrubs, that kind of stuff. And I think we went through maybe five or six tanks, uh, which are 500 gallon tanks um, for our fire engines and and foaming we use a uh, silvex which is a type a foam it's a little bit more environmentally friendly than some, mm. <laughs> some of the other stuff um but that was basically all we did for i think i was out there for a week wow. uh the last that the last couple of days was kind of more mop up um checking for stumps because stumps can continue to burn for for quite a while in fact I, I think i read an article recently this year that they had found some stumps that were still basically smoldering from last year Wow. Uh, so there's, wow. there's a bunch of interesting things that uh, even myself as a firefighter, I wasn't really aware of Yeah, <laughs> so I a little bit um, on, on that front when it comes to wildland uh, type scenarios for fires. So I just want to back up a second. Did those two fires combine together? I don't think they ever actually merged. They might've at a certain point after, but it was more of a, um, Oh, what do you, I'm trying to think of the word, just barely merged. It, it wasn't okay. that bloom that, it, that one never happened. And I'm not sure why. I think something with our weather shifted and winds shifted and everything else shifted and it ended up okay. not being a apocalyptic event, <laughs> which okay. is very thankful. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember if they actually merged later on um, after we were done, but they did not merge that night. So okay. or while I was out there. And I, I want to thank you for going out there. That is actually one of my favorite areas to camp in that whole Estacada area yeah. um, and it, and the, um, the Clackamas River area. It's still not open. It's still closed this year. There's no camping allowed up there. The roads are all closed still. And it's, re- yeah. it's recovering up there. So hopefully it is recovering. So glad you were able to go out there and do that. And thanks for sharing that information that we didn't know about the stumps burning and and all that kind of stuff. The other day I was out camping and and when you drive into the forest, they have those signs, right? It says fire danger today is low, moderate, high, or severe. And so what should we as campers going into the woods know about those different ratings? So a lot of the time they just issue red flag warnings nowadays, um, which I believe is that extreme level, mm-hmm. which is basically, it means that the temperatures are high, uh, you have warmer temperatures, low humidity, stronger winds are expected, and they will possibly combine um, to produce a really bad fire hazard. And that's when you don't want to even joke around with having a campfire or cigarettes. You know, people mm-hmm. sometimes who are cigarette smokers will 
discard it improperly and that that can start a forest fire and i know it sounds really small <laughs> and insignificant uh, just a cigarette butt but um it just needs a little bit and right now our our area is so dry we just haven't gotten the snowpack or the rainfall like we used to and the temperatures are hot and so so if it's in that extreme level uh, definitely don't even think about burning anything and if you're doing charcoal uh, briquettes for say making food, your meals. That's another thing where you really have to be aware of putting that, all of that out because it, uh, in the middle of the night, a little spark could still jump out and catch one little thing on fire. And then the next thing, you know, you have a forest fire. So it's really imperative to not, not use open flame essentially in the forest when it's at that extreme, uh, level. And then, is it what's the one below the extreme? Because I can't ever remember. Uh, high, high. So the higher extreme, I would say, very much use a lot of caution. If it's that lower moderate, still use some caution, but not quite as much. And I think that would be like <laughs> when it's winter here and snowy. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I found interesting, um, I went camping a couple weeks ago, and propane was not allowed. But this past weekend, uh, that was at a state park. Now I was in the National Forest this past week and propane fire pits were allowed. And so I'm okay. wondering, are propane fire pits really any safer than having a campfire? I think it kind of depends on what you're using it for, right? It's uh, Some people use them in a way that is is safe and and isn't going to start a fire. Yeah. Uh, there's the other people that just are a little bit more careless and maybe it gets knocked over and that can start a fire as well. So, I mean, when, when I go camping personally, I just use my jet boil to boil water. And then I mm-hmm. do have a little um, Coleman two burner camp stove for the bigger stuff, but I really try hard to make sure that I'm using it properly. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know how else to put that. Also state forest or state parks have a totally different um, bureaucracy than a national forest, right? right? So they're kind of ran by different agencies. Um, and some are a little bit more conservative in their fire danger outlook than others. So that's another thing to think about. But I think uh, personally, I think the propane uh, grills or propane, anything that's gas related, as long as you're using it properly, in my opinion, I think, you're probably going to be fine. Um, but once again, make sure that you are using it properly. And I always yeah. have a fire extinguisher as well nearby. Um, just, you know, a cheap one that you can get at Home Depot or Costco or right. wherever it is that you can get one um, just in case. Because if you can stop that small fire before it becomes a larger fire, that's huge. And then the other part of that with the fire extinguisher is to know how to use it. Um, and the, mm-hmm. the easy, the easiest way is the PASS acronym, P-A-S-S, which is pull the, uh, pull the pin, pull the pin, aim, squeeze, and sweep. So you can okay. sweep at, at the base of it. And, and then just make sure that it's completely out before you move on to your next campsite. Okay. If I want to, I do want to back up for a second, because you talked yeah. a couple of times about using your jet boil and using your Coleman stove properly. So can you explain to people who, who might not understand what that means? What is properly mean? 
so you know on the jet boils how you um it has the little legs that you can attach to your canister mm-hmm. I, I sometimes use those but only if i'm not i i will make sure that i have a flat surface and i put the base of that canister on it but if i don't have that good of a flat surface and Sam in some forested area where it's just um pine needles and stuff i i will use the little legs you don't have to but it's more it's more about stability for that because if that gets knocked over uh it could essentially start a little bit of a fire even though it sounds dramatic but Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they really can so for that just make sure it's on level ground or level uh, something level that's not going to burn as well. The jet boils are usually okay. It's your Coleman stove type of scenario where I don't cook on my tailgate because it's plastic. Because right. uh, I have a Honda Element, so that tailgate is mm-hmm. plastic. So instead, I wood is fine if you have a if the wood um, picnic okay. tables picnic table, yeah. where you is usually the best place to do it at, towards the end, and just make sure it's not going to get knocked over. Uh, by a dog or mm-hmm. a human being or any other type of scenario. Just It's just kind of being aware of your surroundings and making sure that things are sturdy and they're not going to tip over and possibly cause a fire. Okay. That's what I, kind of what I mean by using it properly. Yeah, okay. And not Thanks. using like, because um, sometimes like at home, if you have a gas stove, you can put a little piece of paper in there to start that on fire to then go to your fireplace, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So now let's talk a bit about camping and campfires. So let's say it's not a red flag and we're out there camping. Camping and campfires, they just go together like marshmallows and chocolate, right? Um, so how can we enjoy a campfire and be safe? So if they're saying that it is allowed, mm-hmm. um, then clearly it's loud uh, and just be so just be aware right be aware of your surroundings be aware of what you're burning uh as well if it's giving off a lot of embers probably just put it out okay uh, that's like that, what that crackling kind of fire where the things are just yeah. flying yeah that, okay i wouldn't do that even if they tell you it's n- not much fire danger and i and i say that because it's still dry underneath everything else. It's still dry. So you may have had a nice little rain overnight and you want to wake up in the morning and have a nice fire. Um, it's, it's totally up to anybody really. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to tell people to not have campfires because I love campfires myself, but specifically, even if it's at a moderate level, I, I wouldn't have a fire, but that being said, you can still have it. Make sure you have a fire extinguisher nearby. Make sure you have maybe a bucket of water as well if you can. Um, and be aware of the wind. If the wind starts to pick up, I'd put it out. Uh, mm-hmm. That that kind of scenario. So, don't, yeah, don't burn things that are going to cause a lot of embers. Have some water nearby. Have a fire extinguisher nearby, which I know all sounds overkill, but uh, we all love camping and we all yeah. want to continue to make, you know, or continue to not have forest fires um, in this region if we can so yeah absolutely. those are the, big, the biggest things just be aware of the weather um be aware of because the red flag warning could happen while you are camping mm-hmm. and you just don't know it so just mm-hmm. kind of be aware of your surroundings be aware of what you're burning and you should be okay okay so what about like 
different fire pits. So I've been camping someplace. It's just like a little stone pit. Sometimes there are these big metal, like uh, can, you know, like a big metal thing that goes all the way into the ground. Are, are any of those safer than others? I think the ones that are like the metal, uh, it's like a big metal ring, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they are down into the ground quite a bit. So those are usually pretty good. But once again, it, it, it's more about the stuff flying out than necessarily right. the stuff in. Uh, because the other part of that is if you it, say you have a good fire and it's not throwing embers, it's not super windy out. And then you want to go to bed. So mm -hmm. you douse it, you make sure your coals are fairly cold and that you don't see any embers. Uh, Why don't you uh, tell us the proper way to extinguish a fire at so, the end of the night when you're ready to go to bed and put it out? Yeah. So what, what we tell people <laughs> for the most mm. part is to really douse it. So, so douse it with tons of water. Um, if you can, if you don't have a whole lot of water, but say you have a gallon, one of the things that you can do is if you have a little bit of soap, like a dishwashing soap, even a biodegradable type soap, mm -hmm. you can kind of sprinkle that around. And uh, what it does is it saturates, it gets into the coals and the leftover wood a lot better. So it, it makes it more moist. It penetrates it. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have enough water, just douse it with water. If you don't have a whole lot of water, you can use a little bit of water with some soap. That's That's why we use foam in the fire service. And basically it is just some basic okay. biodegradable soap is what you can use. Um, and, and that's just for its penetrating abilities. So that do that. And then after a couple minutes, I, I pick up the coals, the, if there's larger sizes of coal to make sure it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and okay. Warm. And then if you have a shovel, like, or even like a trowel, you can kind of go around it and make, make almost a little slurry of uh, a little bit of water and soap. Mm -hmm. Just really make sure that it is completely out um, right. before you either go to bed or move on for for the day. If you're doing it in the morning and you're leaving camp, then also make sure that it's completely out by dousing it. I, that's the best way that you can do. And you and if you have a bunch of water, you can also just dunk that charcoal. Say you have a five gallon bucket with you for whatever reason, um, you can dunk that charcoal in there and just let it sit. But like mm. the big, big chunks of it. Uh, because sometimes yeah. you can't get that completely penetrated with uh, water and or soap. Right. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thank you. It, uh, that makes sense. Um, so I, I'm in a Facebook camping Facebook group and there was quite a bit of controversy a few weeks ago with someone who had asked for, she's like, it's my first time going camping. I'm looking for suggestions. What should I do? And someone suggested um, stirring your, fire down to coals when you go to bed. And then when you wake up, you'll have a nice fire to cook over in the morning. And uh, as you can imagine, this created quite a bit of controversy. Uh, the person defended it by saying, well, I'm on the East Coast and we don't have the same fire dangers out there. And I'm wondering, do you, would you agree with that sentiment? Or do you feel like no matter what climate you're in, you should put your fire out before you go to bed? I am on the conservative side of that in yeah. terms of, I, I do believe you should always put your fire out. Um, yeah, they don't have wildfires out that direction and, and they do have, you know, the, the higher humidity maybe. Um, and 
maybe a better snowpack and may, maybe better rainfall uh, than what we've had recently in the last few years. But still, I just, I, I personally wouldn't want to take that chance. Um, now, if I was on the show alone, <laughs> you know, and, and I had to survive <laughs> out in the wilderness by myself. Yeah, I would. Probably, okay. Right. Yeah. And, and right. Yeah. I don't want to okay. no. we're not, <laughs> just, we're not on alone. We have access to, <laughs> to matches and yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, you have matches, you have <laughs> stuff and re uh, yeah. start it yourself. Um, I would just, I would do that in the morning, just make a new fire. It's not, you know, the end of the world. <laughs> okay. Um, so back to this red flag warning, I know you talked about the red flag warnings and, a little bit more like what should we, should we avoid camping in areas when there's a red flag warning? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, if they're given a red flag warning and you're a pretty seasoned camper and you pay attention to your surroundings and you have, you know, another way to get out, you have a second egress of the, where you're at. So uh, I'll, I'll do a scenario last mm-hmm. year, last summer before all the fires started <laughs> burning down the state we went to um, Bonnie Meadows mm-hmm. upon Mount Hood and dispersed camping. It was a great site and it's a really rough road to get in there and a really yeah. rough road out. Yeah. In my mind, I was like, okay, well, we have to have, I, I want to have a second way out. I need a, a, a second egress. And really the only other option for that would have been to just hike down into the lakes nearby it and just wait it out. Mm. That was kind of my, my thought process is if this, Cause there's, there's no way you're getting out on that road anytime quick, right. but if you had hours to get out, then there are two ways to get out from Bonnie Meadows. You go North or South. Um, both roads are horrible. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Right. right. Um, so, so for me, if it is red flag warning, I would probably myself chance it. Um, but knowing that I am taking a risk, I'm choosing to take a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, have another way out if I need to. And then also I have a fire extinguisher with me. If it's just a small fire that somebody accidentally set, you can try to manage it that way. Um, say it's in the campground and somebody accidentally right. starts possibly try to put out a small fire, but also at the same time, and we say this all the time in the fire service, don't try to put fires out <laughs> by yourself. But if it is small, we also tell people like, use your judgment. Um, yeah. You know, if, if it's catching tons of trees on fire, that's not the time to stick around and try to put it out. That's the time okay. to get out. So, okay. so just best judgment, basically have second egress, have a fire extinguisher, know where another body of uh, water is a, a fairly good sized lake or river. And then the other option is, um, and I know not everybody has the, the means, but if you have have the means or you save up for it, I would definitely invest in a satellite slash navigation type device. And I have the Garmin InReach. Tell, tell me more about what that is. So it's, I love it. It's, it is expensive, but it's a way for me to communicate. So if I know I'm going to be basically off grid in an area that I have zero cell service because either I've been there before or I've done a little research and people said there are, there is no cell service. I can still text numbers out of this. I can SOS. And if I hit that SOS button, basically you're getting rescued within a couple hours. Okay. 
Um, there's another podcast uh, that I listen to, and it's basically people using that to get out of some really hairy situations. Uh, and, and it's worked pretty much every single time. So it, I, I believe it goes to the nearest agency operator type thing. And it just gives your exact location through GPS. And then they come and basically get you out. Um, I, I used it when I went hiking, trekking all over Nepal, um, mm. in the middle of literally nowhere. <laughs> okay. Used it in Georgia, the Republic of Georgia, when we were just there in June, trekking around. It's, it's a nice safety measure that I thought was worth the money. And, and the beauty of it is you don't have to pay for the subscription if you're not using it. So I only pay for it if I know I'm going on a pretty good camping trip or hiking or backpacking trip, I will pay for that month. And you can, mm-hmm. there's multiple levels. So you can do, I think the cheapest is maybe $12.95 for the month. And then the most expensive is their expedition package, which is like, I think 65 for the month, but that the, the, all of them cover your SOS. So you're, you're good on that. If that's all you're going to use it for. And there's multiple ones. I just really like Garmin yeah. personally. So uh, it was a personal choice, but like I said, I've used that literally all over the world and it's it's been nice just to be able to contact people because that's the other thing when I go out into the middle of nowhere I tell people where I'm at so um like especially my mom and dad they're going to be constantly watching and being like hey Lisa did you know there's this warning blah 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 and I'll be like oh my got it you know (laughs) a few minutes later I sat device and I'm like oh great thanks uh so once again, it's just another little safety measure. You don't have to do it, but I do highly recommend it because if you're going to be in the middle of nowhere, it's it's nice to have. All right. So I want to get back now to maybe what is one of my biggest fears and probably a lot of people listening who are out camping is what what should you do if you're out there and you find yourself in the middle of a, of a forest fire unexpectedly? So- Yeah. So I go back to, you know, your planning, um, make sure that you did have two ways of egress. And if you didn't, cause you, that was impossible in the location, find a body of water. Um, if you can't get out on the road, so say if Bonnie Meadows, we were at Bonnie Meadows Mm -hmm. and fire was just to the North or the South of us. Uh, and it was far enough away in terms of an hour Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and the wind is in your favor. Uh, then I would try to get out as quickly as possible um, in the direction, uh, uh, not in the direction of the fire. But if I knew that I couldn't get out, I would try to find a body of water. And, you know, whether or not that actually works, I don't really know. I know that some people on the Mackenzie River jumped in the Mackenzie River and they survived last year. Um, There was, I think, a couple different families that they retreated to that because that was their only option because the wildfire came so quickly and I think they were on their cabin on the river. Um, and that's what they did. So I, apparently it does work. Um, that was going to be my question. Is that really a thing that you can do? What, wouldn't the smoke still overtake you? It could. It could. And that was the thing with uh, their situation is I, I think that they just got lucky. Um, and maybe maybe it went really quick past them. Uh, but yeah, the smoke inhalation is real and smoke makes my eyes tear up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why we wear masks and, and whatnot, but wildfires are a little, a little different cause it's a, it's not as toxic or harmful gas, right? Cause it's more like a campfire gas, mm-hmm. um, where it's just clean wood. But once it starts burning, if, if you're in an area that's somewhat close to buildings, uh, you're, you're going to be 
smelling some noxious um, okay. fumes and, and that's not good. But normally wildfires, you're probably okay. Like I said, it, it worked for them last year. I always thought it was kind of a joke, like really, that's out yeah. of the movie. And maybe it is in certain situations, but, it, and that's the thing with fire. Like I, we could sit here and talk about fire behavior and whatnot, but the reality of it is fire does what it wants to do when it wants to do it. Um, and there's really no rhyme or reason, which is why I enjoy doing structural firefighting because there's a little bit more consistency okay. <laughs> with fire behavior than wildland firefighting. I think personally, I think wildland firefighting is a little bit more dangerous just because it can shift in a absolute second. And the next thing you know, the, the fire is on you and you yeah. have nowhere to go. So, okay. So I, I would say okay. try to get out. If you can't try to find a body of water, and those are probably your, and try to stay calm also. Um, mm-hmm. Go to your zen, zen, you know, and just be like, okay, this is going to be fine. It's going to be all right. We'll get through this. Uh, don't panic because as soon as you start panicking, things start snowballing really into the worst situation you can imagine. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So when you talk about the smoke, I know a lot of us still have our N95 masks. I mean, we're going to need them soon again for the whole COVID thing. Are those yeah. something that could be helpful if you're in a forest fire? I would definitely put that on you for sure. Last year, while we were doing the wildland stuff, even though it was just kind of a little smoky and uh, fighting some fire here and there, I still had just my cloth mask on uh, because it was also COVID. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the N95 is hard to do work in. So for a firefighter, I didn't want to do an N95 because it was less mm-hmm. breathing. But if you're just kind of sitting in a river or a lake and not doing anything, yeah. and just out, I, yes, okay. uh, N95. Um, and I always have a couple on hand in my camping box kit, all that stuff, regardless of where okay. I go. And that was, that was pre-COVID. Wow. Um, okay. That was just in case. Yeah, uh, Lisa, why don't you tell us what you have in your camping box? I think it'd be really helpful to hear. Like I mentioned before, we have a Honda Element uh, that I absolutely love. And we put a tent off the back of it Mm -hmm. so that we have 10 by 10 area for the dog. And then we can eat in there to get away from mosquitoes and whatnot. And then we sleep on a platform that I made inside. So under the platform, I put six totes. Two are very large. One has kitchenware. One has bedding, pillows, comfort items, kind of that type of thing. And then the other four are smaller ones. And one's for safety, one's for the dog, one's for dry food, and then uh, the other one is miscellaneous. So basically, for my safety, yeah, what's in your safety? One, yeah, uh, I have. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> we all want to hear what what. A safety, a firefighter is going to have in her safety kit. Absolutely. So I definitely have a fire extinguisher. Okay. Um, And what kind of fire extinguisher should we get for, for our camp? For like, a lot of us are in RVs. So you're in a, in a car, but what about, you know, is there a different kind we should get for an RV versus if we're in a car? So um, I think I got mine at Costco actually. And they're just the ABC. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they'll fight all three different types of fires. Um, Okay. A, B, and more paper type stuff, and B and C are the ones electrical, ones more of chemical off-gassing type things. So just an A, B, C, uh, I can't remember the size of mine, but it's not the biggest and it's not the smallest. Because like on our fire engine, we carry these massive ones. You don't go overkill. Just your basic uh, 
one that you can get um, at a hardware okay. store or, okay. or what. But ma- yeah, make sure it, it covers A, B, and C. Um, okay. Just just on the safe side, because you know, say maybe your car tires or your brakes for whatever reason seize up and they start your car on fire. You can kind of put it out, put that out with an ABC extinguisher. So definitely one of those. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I keep that in there. I have a machete uh, in there just in case I have to go through a bunch of brush to get out to go somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or zombies. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a, um, like a hatchet as well. Uh, I do carry a, a handgun as well. Mm-hmm. That's not in there. That's usually on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be a very responsible gun owner. Um, so I do have that. Uh, what else? I have a bunch of paracord in there. I have this tape. Uh, I think they call it rescue tape and it's for vehicles. Uh, basically like if you're say your water hose from your radiator sprung a leak for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can tape it up with that and it'll limp you along far enough to get to a shop of some sort. I've got gloves in there, different like leather gloves. I've got gloves for cold weather. So sometimes like in the summer, I will take some stuff out because it is more designed for cold weather than it is mm-hmm. warm weather. Like what's in your oh, first, first aid, aid kit? Yeah, I have a massive first aid kit um, that is one that I bought and then I've just added to it mm-hmm. over the years. Because I am an EMT as well, an EMT right. base. And so, like, there's a tourniquet in there. There's the stuff to coagulate your blood, tons of different bandages. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there's some really, there's actually some pretty decent first aid kits out there on the market. But I also think if you kind of know what you want, you don't need like everything fancy. <laughs> right. Uh, but I would definitely have a bunch of different bandages, type of, bandages some um some coban wrap um some tape uh maybe i i would definitely include a tourniquet because you just don't know if you if you fall down and break your leg or whatever and it's compound fracture you're going to want to tourniquet it (laughs) okay i have a i have a basic first aid kit but i don't think i have a tourniquet in there well, if you have a belt, that would probably work. Too. Yeah, I, I am certified in first aid, though. I've definitely <laughs> done that. I'm one of those weirdos that likes to be prepared for pretty much anything. <laughs> right, everything. which is why I wanted to have you on here. Absolutely. Yeah. So if it's, you know, while I'm like, oh, the N95s, those are in there. Oh, I have backup batteries for all of my, so like my headlamp, uh, mm-hmm. my it's. I do also have a solar charger, uh, mm-hmm. the zero Yeti 1500, but that thing's mm-hmm. massive. Um, but I, to include with that, I also have one of the small, um, solar powered pa- power banks. And that's just in case of a backup. I have a backup to a backup basically on okay. almost everything, yeah. but I do a way where I keep my weight very low Oh, uh, like a multi-tool kit. I also have a multi-tool kit. So I have a machete, a hatchet, a multi-tool kit. So I have three things that could help me cut something. Right. Uh, Seems overkill, but they do all serve their purpose. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I sell it to myself, that it's okay to have all of that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) A beanie. Like I have a hat, like a warm warm hat in the summer or winter. And like I said, the nice nice really good gloves for if it's really cold out snowy conditions mm-hmm. 
kind of a thing. Okay. I don't know, stuff like that. Yeah. Sunscreen also. I have sunscreen yeah. in yeah. <laughs> basic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a flask. You got a flask in there? That's in with the kitchenware. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Don't leave home without that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I want to ask about is something that I recently learned about, which is the danger of causing fire by not having your trailer properly attached. If you're dragging something, the friction from that causing yeah. sparks. Can you speak to that a little bit for some of the people that are out there in trailers camping? Yeah. So, and I used to have a travel trailer as well. And I remember this, if you know, the, uh, the ones that you attach the, Oh gosh, why can't I? The chain. Right. If it is dragging on the asphalt or pavement of any kind, it can throw sparks. And those little sparks, if there's enough high grass near where you're driving, it will ignite those sparks, which sounds crazy and like something out of a movie, but it actually is real. So I always made sure that my chains were at least like, if I could uh, get them like a few, a few inches off the ground. Cause there's no need to drag them and it's pretty easy to do. It's just a quick, quick little change up when you're hooking it up. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. Thank you. So I want to get back to, if you are in the fire, we talked about the things you should do. um, If you find, if you should find yourself in a fire, is there something you should not do? What should you not do? Uh, You shouldn't panic. Okay. (laughs) that we'll go back to that. That is the biggest thing. Um, which is going to be hard. I think you find yourself in the middle of a fire to not panic. Yes. And it's way easy for me to say that for sure, because of my job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I run into burning buildings and, and fires outside. Um, but the best thing you can do is try not to panic because as soon as you start panicking, your basic common sense and whatnot goes out the window. And then you make, poor decisions usually. So if you panic for a minute, if you need to, you know, take that quick little bit and be like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. And then calm it down Mm -hmm. and then go through your checklist. Okay. I knew I had, you know, a a second way out or, or I don't have another way out that is not going to be bottlenecked as well. Right. Like if you're at say lost Lake, that's a huge campground. Um, you might be sitting there for a very long time in traffic, right? Uh, right? So that may not be a good option, but you have to weigh those options. So if you're panicking, you're going to make very poor decisions um, and maybe not the right ones. So just keep that in mind. Just if you need to panic for that split second, just do it, get it over with. And once again, I know I, it's very easy for me to say that, right. yeah. <laughs> but try really hard to not panic. That's that's the biggest thing. If you can keep a level head on uh, you're probably going to be just fine. Look for the the people who also look like they know what they're doing. If there's, if there's people around you, if you're by yourself and there's no other campers, um, then just make the best decision you can and either get out uh, if you can, or shelter in place in a lake or river. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Lisa, so much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing all your wisdom with us. Is there anything that I didn't get to that you think is important to mention? Uh, no, I think, I think that's it. Just, you know, remember to stay safe out there and 
love our forests like everybody else does. I love camping. I love camping in Oregon, the Pacific Northwest in general. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful and I'd really like to keep it that way. <laughs> so yeah. let's do our best to be good stewards of the environment and where we're at. But no, thanks for having me. I hope I answered some good questions. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. I would like to thank Lisa Knight again for being a guest on our show. Here's some of my key takeaways. Number one, always have a fire extinguisher and preferably the ABC kind and a bucket of water handy whenever you're out camping or having a campfire. And number two, if you have a fire and there's some embers coming off it, be sure to put it out. And if the winds pick up, again, put that fire out. Number three, to make your water go further, add a little soap to the water to douse the fire. That will help put it out easier. And number four, always have a plan when you're camping during high fire season. Think of a second escape route or a body of water that you could potentially seek shelter in. And also carry a safety device if you can afford it, like a Garmin GPS or another satellite safety device. Thanks again for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. We will be back again next week with a great interview. And if you'd like to stay in touch please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com. We also have a Facebook group where you can connect up with other solo women travelers. So until next week, we will see you out there on the road.